0: And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law. Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas, they'll fight the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, The sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Dal? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren. And this, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast, version 269, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled.
2: If not entertained.
0: Oh, and we will do that for you today. The Cowboys practicing in Oxnard, California. They've had a new signing that's caused a lot of interest, it seems like. News on Michael Gallup, all sorts of things to get into. Maybe the ranger is about to make a splash in the trade market. So we'll dive right into it. But before we do anything, it's greening law, my friends. Do you need them? Have you been hit by somebody? Were you in a car accident? Are you walking around like me going, my God, is my back ever going to be the same? I don't know. But you know what I did? I got up after my car accident. I made that call to Greening Law, and the green team, they've been handling everything. All the insurance crap, all the stuff that you got to deal with behind the scenes, the green team is on my side, and they'll fight for you as well.
2: No, I mean, I think Matt will be one who can tell you that the reason why you want to pick up the phone if you're involved in something like that and give a call to 972-934-8900 Is you want somebody riding with you to walk you through what can be a very intimidating process as you know, as you fight another another person's, you know, big time law firm um, or insurance company. And so you need somebody who can say, hey, here's what you do. Here's how you handle it. Hey, we need you to go do this. And this helps build our case, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but they know all the tricks of the trade. They've done it for years. Greening Laws won a bunch of awards. You ain't going to take my word for it. Look at it. Um, give them a call,
0: 972-934-8900, and let them work for you like nobody you've ever had. It's easy to do, man. As you said, that's the number, 972-934-8900. They only get paid if you get compensated. It's Robert Greening. Call now, Offices, Dallas, Texas. So before we get to the interesting signing that the Dallas Cowboys have made We kind of already knew that this was going to happen, but I thought it was interesting because today in camp, and they're out there practicing in California, it was our buddy Ed Werder who flat out asked Michael Gallup if he might possibly be able to play in week one and kind of was there a timeline or anything like that. And now we know for sure, because you're hearing it straight from Michael Gallup, he flat out said that it is not possible for him to play in week one and he would not speculate on a target date now you know we've kind of talked about that I think we both had assumed he's going to miss at least the first couple of games but now you kind of wonder like the way he he answered that like he kind of smiled like no no that's that's not possible it makes you wonder, okay, well, if you're that dead set that week one's not possible, like what week are we looking at that might be possible here? Because we talked about this with the lack of anything real at receiver outside of CeeDee Lamb. Bro, I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, it's not a surprise
2: to me. They've, we, I mean, I've kind of said all along that he was expected to miss the first two or three games. And that's why, you know, week three or week four sounds like a little more doable if you just go, well, If he's that definitive about week one, then week two certainly can't be, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'll be ready week two. So now you're kind of looking at week three. Um, You just got to be careful with him. It's uh, I mean, people it's not it's no longer career ending injury. So it's just a time frame. They know how to rehab it. Brett, Brett Brown is one of the best, if not the best in the National Football League at helping people back rehab injuries. He's done a ton of ACLs. He knows what to do. And the only
0: thing it takes is time. Yeah, and that's the thing is that when you look at this, and again, it's kind of funny because you and I had talked about this. I feel like we were screaming all throughout the course of the offseason on this thing. When you look at the Cowboys and what they have at wide receiver, and obviously it's it's CeeDee Lamb. We knew that Michael Gallup was probably not going to be able to go early. And then it's James Washington and the rookie Jalen Tolbert where what happened already today in camp? James Washington takes a tumble falls down and has a shoulder injury now they say it's not serious but point being because you don't have michael gallup like all of a sudden let's say james washington let's say it was hurt and he had to miss a game then you're rolling out there with cd lamb and a flat a third round rookie as your second guy in Jalen tolbert (laughs) i mean that's reality and and it happened immediately in practice with james washington and, and it doesn't look like he'll miss any time he might have to sit out a day or whatever but you know what if that shoulder injury had been a little bit more serious well, I mean,
2: this is this is the risk that they ran, and this is what they decided to do, and yeah, this is the approach they took, and this, to me, is why. And I said a thousand times, it was dumb to get rid of Amari Cooper. Who was more valuable to you, man, Amari Cooper or the fifth round pick that you used on a That you used to get a player? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, I say this all the time, but it's true. It's like, and I, I've said this before. It's like, oh, I've got a used car. You want to give me fifteen hundred for it? I'll just keep it, man. And then when my car's in the shop, or this or that, I'll just use this one, because it's worth more to me than the fifteen hundred dollars that you want to give me, or the two thousand you want to give me. Uh, and so, to me, man, it's just, it's just dumb to get rid of him after the season. Now you're seeing, you know, he didn't get the, he didn't, he didn't injure himself until the Arizona game, which was at the end of the year. And so, it takes an ACL about nine nine and a half months in today's NFL to come back. So it would make sense if he did it in January that he wouldn't back be back until, you know, close to October.
0: Yeah, and so that's where we're sitting at right now. And, again, you go through the wide receiver depth and as we have, and you look at it and you say, okay, well, Simi Fajoko's here, neat. Noah Brown, they re-signed because he's great on special teams. You got a bunch of undrafted free agents and random dudes off the street and then you have one that they signed today that has generated a lot of interest. I mean, Mike McCarthy in his press conference today was asked about this dude and about four questions worth for a guy named Cavante Turpin. Now, some of you may be familiar with him because he played at TCU, and Cavante Turpin is fresh off winning MVP at the USFL. He was the inaugural USFL MVP. He played for the New Jersey Generals this past season here in Birmingham. He's 26 years old, and he comes in, and it's interesting because here is Mike McCarthy speaking on what he thinks Cavante Turpin can bring to the team.
1: I I, I think the first thing, you know, when we we started looking at it was um, back when Will McClain and his staff were were rolling through the USFL tape, and and obviously we have a Excellent resource and Daryl Johnson, you know, I think he did an incredible job, you know, with the league. And uh, but when you watch the tape is um, the thing that jumps out is he's dynamic with the ball in his hand. And I think you got to always pay attention to that. And I think, you know, when we evaluate personnel, uh, particularly when we're talking about special teams, when there's a there's a priority there, you have to really make sure that, you know, the player can also add something on offense and defense, you know, and vice versa, obviously. So his ability is just to make plays with the ball. I think he's dynamic. Um, so I think he'll be a really good fit, and I think we'll have a really good opportunity here.
0: Now, we'll see. It's interesting because, obviously, they have a need at the receiver position. This was a dude in the USFL who kind of did a little bit of everything. Like, he ran a little bit. He received. He returned kicks. He was kind of like a, a Swiss Army knife of sorts, which is one of the reasons why he was named as the USFL MVP this season. But what's really interesting about this signing to me is that while he had a breakout year and did some great things in the USFL, he was listed on the New Jersey Generals roster as weighing in at 155 pounds.
2: Bro. I was I was literally on my computer trying to double-check that because yes. I thought I read he was like 5'8 or 5'9, 155 yeah. mm-hmm. pounds. I mean, that's really like uh, uh, Tavon Austin size, really. So maybe, you know, young Tavon Austin size. So maybe it's not that crazy, but... Um, he ain't big, so he better be fast, man. Otherwise, he'll get killed out here in the NFL. And that's yeah. probably why, you know, he's had to, to wait for an opportunity. And that's why the USF was good, because it provided an opportunity for him to really show what he could do.
0: Yeah, and, and again, I mean, he, he showed up at TCU now. I mean, this is a dude who had a couple of nice seasons. And definitely, as a returner, he offers you something. But I wonder, is a guy like this, if... Because... It, if everybody's healthy, he's not one of your five or six wide receivers. I mean, he just isn't. I mean, that's reality. Because your receivers are going to be CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Jalen Tolbert. They just re-signed Noah Brown because they like what he does on special teams. you got to think James Washington is making the team. And then I would, I would imagine Simi Fajoko would get the nod as like a sixth receiver if they wanted it. I don't know that this dude plays special teams in the sense that he does something other than returns. I'm going to put it like this. Like, I
2: think Simi is uh, i think he's 50 50 to make the team i don't <clears throat> as a fifth round pick they don't have really anything invested in him and he didn't really do anything last year um so i think that's the spot you're trying to get at worst you can keep him on a practice squad but it you know this is not a team that has a lot of dynamic playmakers so if he's a guy who can make two guys miss and take it to the house then you know you just have to kind of figure out how to work him in and how to use him. The thing is, obviously, that 155 pounds. He's incredibly small. But we've seen small guys have success, whether it was um, who, who used to throw up the X, Dante Hill for uh, Kansas City. Oh, yeah, we've, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've seen Tyron, you know, uh, Tavon Austin have some success. There's a role there. It's a small role, but there's a role there for guys who can make big plays. And if he has that kind of quickness and that kind of, elusiveness, then, you know, you try to draw some things up with him. You know, Kellen Moore is a creative sort. Maybe he can do something, but I mean, I don't think he's changing the game, but he's a guy who may can help you. And what are we talking about? Can you give us five plays this year where we go, wow, that's what we needed right then. Then it's a success.
0: Yeah. And for a guy like that, that's kind of what you are talking about is you just want somebody who can do it easily for you. When he was at TCU, this was a guy again on kick and punt returns who, on kick returns, was averaging for his career 28 yards a return. He returned a kick for a touchdown each of his junior and senior years. And on punt returns, he averaged 16.3 as a junior, 19.4 as a senior. In all four years at TCU, he had a touchdown, a punt return touchdown all four years. So this is a dude in four years at TCU had six return touchdowns. If he could be dynamic just on
2: kickoff and punt returns, dude, he's worth it. I mean, because you'd, you'd like to not risk, you know, Tony Pollard back there if you can yep, help it. Because yep. he's got such a big role in the offense, you'd hope not to have to risk CeeDee Lamb back there because he's had such a big role in the offense. So if he can do it on special teams, and he's a core special teamer, much like um, my guy on uh, on defense who plays cornerback. I have an old man disease today. C.J. Sp- no, I, I forget. You know who I'm talking about from Indiana Purdue uh, in California, but I mean that's Wait, all he does what? Is play special teams from in Indiana
0: Purdue okay, in California. Name because since I'm having, are you a talking about man, Antoine Randall? No, who are you talking about? The Cowboys. I'm talking. Oh, about... CJ Goodwin.
2: Yes. Oh Look my God, we
0: to. man, you were confusing the hell. He went to Cincinnati. No, he went some. No, C. he J. went to Goodwin like works. some weird ass. Yes. Like Cincinnati school.
2: No, nah, no. Nah. He went. Let me find this. He's bothering me now.
0: He went to the to Penn West, California. No, That's he went
2: I'm to right. California. What the hell is his name? Fairmont
0: California State. and Pennsylvania. OK, <laughs> uh, now I see what you were trying to do. You were like Indiana and Purdue and California. I was like, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Not... But confused, look where he went. God, you, you confused you, you, uh, the hell out of me.
2: Well, that's because he confused the hell out of me going that bullshit it.
0: Yeah, that's a, yeah cause, so he went to Fairmont State, which is in California, Pennsylvania. Yeah, okay. Yes, I got you. The California Vulcans are in Pennsylvania, which is really, really strange. It's a Division II school.
2: And that's why it confused the hell out of me. Yes. Okay. But all he does is special teams. Yeah, and he's good at it. He's like an elite special teamer. Right. So like, if this dude is an elite special teamer on the other tip... He's worth it.
0: Yeah, I'll take that. And like you said, I mean, if this dude can do that and take it away from CeeDee Lamb and Tony Pollard having to return kicks constantly, then put him back there and welcome to the team. Good for you.
2: Now, I do have a question about him, though. though. Hmm. Uh, He's twice been had issues with domestic violence involving his girlfriend.
0: Yeah. And that's something that McCarthy talked about that and said that they really went through that and vetted him and that they are comfortable with where he's at, I guess.
2: You know, the answer to that is, okay, why? Because this wasn't once, this was twice.
0: And he pleaded guilty to
2: assaulting his girlfriend in 2018. Uh, I was reading something from Daryl Johnson who said, um, uh, we had to do some homework there to make sure he was good, he was awesome, he was actually a guy that truth be told, I didn't want in the league. I went to the team's draft room that day when they drafted him and I told them, I don't know if he's going to pass the background check, so you may lose him, just so you know. I'm surprised he's in our pool. But then Daryl Johnson goes, he was a stand-up guy across the board, complete pro. So perhaps maybe he learned, you know, whatever lesson he had or dealt with his anger issues so that uh, he doesn't put hands on a woman anymore. Um, but, you know, there's always a chance that you take.
0: Yeah, it is. It's interesting. I read that quote from Moose as well, and it, it's kind of interesting how he said that. And then, you know, he didn't necessarily think that he had – like the NFL build and and the ability for that level of play. But he said, you know, he's got the one thing that you need, and that's speed. So I told you, if you're a game breaker,
2: a game changer, they'll find a spot for you.
0: So we'll see how it turns out. But I, I thought it was interesting, too. I'll play this clip from you from Mike McCarthy because he actually mentioned the USFL because Archer was the one that asked him about this, about has the USFL provided you guys with the opportunity to see guys like this who might have fallen through the cracks and otherwise would not have had an opportunity. And here's McCarthy.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's great for I think it's great for the professional game of football. I, I think anytime you have an opportunity to to, to, to give other players that that are not on the 90-man roster opportunities, and you know, there's there's a lot of good football played in USFL, and there's, um, you know, we 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 watched a lot of cut-ups of, of guys that you know that intrigue you, and you know, I think some of it's timing, but yeah, I, I think this is I think this is great for for these young players that are kind of at a crossroads or a fork in the road, and and are looking for another opportunity. So, and, and obviously, ourselves and the rest of you know the NFL play close attention because you're seeing these guys get opportunities in the league.
0: Very true. And, and we've seen a couple of guys from the USFL that have been signed into camps. And I figured there'd be several guys that would at least get signed to camp rosters. The real trick right. is like, okay, can you be more than just a body that we need for camp? Can you actually make a roster, make a practice squad and do something in the NFL? We'll see. I don't know.
2: No, I mean, that's the whole key. Uh, but, you know, at least the practice squad is really just like, what it is somebody gets hurt at least you got a guy who knows the system who can step in and contribute right away as opposed to having to go get a guy off the street
0: yeah it's like the the Birmingham Stallions their leading receivers a dude named Victor Bolden who was solid and, and he ended up signing with the Cardinals you know and you look at what the Cardinals have at wide receiver and you're like okay you know maybe he could catch on as the fifth wide receiver who knows so right. good for those guys it's always good for people to have opportunities but that's kind of the latest some of the stuff coming out from gosh what is this day 2 I guess technically of yeah, it came on yet. So, yeah, yeah. day 2 of, of Cowboys camp cuz they're still out there wearing those weird ass helmets with the all the foam on it or whatever that is, the padding and stuff.
2: Yeah, that's to, you know that's to help with your concussions, man.
0: Yeah, so when you're out there and you're not decked out in pads, you just got the shell on kind of that you, it, it helps you out a little bit. I'm actually surprised that the NFL at some point hasn't made a move to where that's the actual helmet give them time if they can
2: figure out a way to or I think it's you know somebody used to wear one for Buffalo
0: it's like a bubble helmet I remember that it was like yeah like an extra helmet Mark Kelso maybe Mm
2: -hmm. Um, I think that's coming it's just you know you're just trying to figure out how to make it happen how to make it appealing how how to make it so it's the marketable helmet that we're used to
0: over these years the real question I think that everybody has is are you okay because you have been coughing up half of a lung <laughs> I'm trying, man. I know. Do you like, just really is... need to clear your throat really well?
2: I think I left my lung on the screen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you feel better?
2: Because I was trying to talk and then I was trying to drink water so yeah. that I could clear it while I was talking.
0: And it was just getting scratchier and scratchier. I know, I could tell. I was like, man, you, you keep trying to clear it and it, it's, I can't tell that it's working.
2: No, it's not. I'm sorry. You know, this is the, you no, know, really, y'all, this is the byproduct of 105 and 110 in Dallas is you got to sleep with ceiling fans on and the temperature really because and the air conditioning on because yeah. it's just oppressive and sometimes you, you get these things.
0: Yeah, sometimes it happens to you. I suppose that's true. Just like sometimes you need work on your car, man. I mean, it could be for a variety of reasons. You might need some major engine work or maybe it's just like every year. You got to go get an inspection. You got to get a new set of tires. You got to get an oil change. When those things happen, you need to go where Jacques goes every time he needs, even just the routine maintenance, because we all need that regardless. You got to go let JR take care of you at Freeway Tire Shop.
2: Now, Freeway Tire, man, that's the spot to go if you've got anything wrong with your car, because JR and his squad of uh, mechanics and guys, they, they are terrific at uh, getting your car right. And the biggest thing is if you're not a car person, you can freaking trust them oops can i say that i mean you can trust them to diagnose what's wrong with your car that's first and foremost you can also trust them you know use quality parts to fix your car and lord knows that ain't always the case you can trust them to and this is big for me matt can you just charge me a fair price man it's not a million dollars for labor and then you can trust them to stand behind their work when you put all that together there's no reason to have your car looked at by anybody but jr and his team over there at Freeway Tire Ride right Off of 35 and Commonwealth is about 10 miles, uh, what is that, man, west of downtown, or 10 minutes west of downtown. Yeah, I was going to say,
0: it's not 10 miles. I mean, it might no, be like 10 a, minutes. a mile. It might be more like five minutes. Yeah, it's super um, close. It's right over
2: there by the medical district. It's But but it's worth whatever it takes because of those things I just told you. The price, the parts, the service, it's impeccable.
0: There it is. Freeway Tire Shop, my friends. You can get your quote. You can schedule your appointment online. Check them out at FreewayTireShop.com so we got some stories here in this trip around the block first off when was the last time that you can recall and maybe you you can't recall that you saw an NC 17 movie
2: when was the last time I saw one this yeah. didn't include porn right no 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 because so.
0: porn's not so <laughs> porn's That's totally good. different like and even like <laughs> softcore and like what you see on Late night Cinemax or whatever those are not Considered the same thing, like NC-17 movies are legitimate movies that people have made that will have something that's either so above sexually or shows shows just a little too much, or like violence on a level that has notched it up to NC-17. For instance, I'm trying to remember, like Kill Bill Volume One originally had an NC-17 rating.
2: Okay, I saw that. That was pretty good.
0: Yeah, but they dropped it down, so the version you saw was an R. But here are like, some movies that have gotten NC-17 NC ratings. Did you ever see Showgirls, that weird movie dude. back in the was,
2: 90s? I'd rather watch porn. Yeah, that movie that's what was, that was that's horrible. What it was, that's what it was tabbed as, like, oh, this is, you know. And it had your girl from... Uh, Stay by the Bell. Right. So you had that, but no, I didn't see it because the reviews were awful and, they were, and there wasn't enough nudity to make up for the. For yeah, the, for the it was being awful.
0: Bad, bad. Now, the, that came out at a time I was working at the video store and I was watching literally any movie Everything. that came out. We watched it so we could tell customers, oh, yeah, this is what that is. Because we would get screeners at the store like a week or two before the movies came out to rent so we could take them home and watch them at home before they even came out, which was all. I always You're thought right. that was badass. There's another one. Did you ever see Eyes Wide Shut with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman? Dude, again, I tried
2: to watch that because that's the that's one of the movies that had the big ballroom scene where yep. they've got the masks on. Yep, yep. And it was too slow and too boring. So no, I didn't get to. Yeah, that.
0: that was a Stanley Kubrick film, man. It sucked. Uh, Natural Born Killers originally was in C 17 but I believe they got it down to an R. I'm trying to think, Blue Valentine, which I don't know if you ever saw that. That was a weird ass movie, man blue valentine i mean that one was i mean here's the thing like a lot of these types of movies are are just so overly boring that they splice in like graphic sex scenes to make up for the fact that the movie sucks i mean that's, that's basically what i take away from it like I don't know if you ever saw kids, which was like uh, Chloe Savini. That was her first role, Rosario Dawson, and they were like 15, 14. That was a weird ass movie about a group of kids in New York, like coming of age. And they were all between 12 and 16. And it was kind of shot like a documentary and it showed them doing drugs or, you know, supposedly, you know, like where you think they're doing drugs and they're having sex and doing stuff like that, but they're, they're teenage kids. And that one was weird. I remember seeing that and I was like, what? That movie's horrible. Well, I bring this up because here's why. It's not just be like, oh, come on. What kind of weird ass movies do you like to watch? (laughs) There is a new movie. It comes out on Netflix on September 28th. It is a Marilyn Monroe biopic and it has received an NC-17 rating. And the reason why you're like, well, it's on Netflix. What, how do they rate it? They're going to put it in theaters for a little bit because they wanted to get Oscar consideration. So the fact that they had to rate it to put it in theaters. So it's the first ever NC-17 movie that Netflix has done. And the lead star of this is Anna Day Armas, who is a, she was actually the female actress in The Gray Man, if anybody has seen that. But she plays Marilyn Monroe. And this is a movie based on a book, one of those unauthorized biographies that was written about Marilyn Monroe and the trailers, right. man. I mean, it, it looks legit. I mean, th- this looks like it's going to be actually very good. All right. What about the trailers it makes it look just like- gritty and raw? And obviously, the reason why I got an NC-17 rating is because of the sexual content that is in this. But when you think Marilyn Monroe, you think about a woman who is having an affair with John F. Kennedy. So other people right amongst many other people. She was with Joe DiMaggio. She was with the famous playwright Arthur Miller, you know, and there was a lot to that. And her sexuality is a big part of what made her Marilyn Monroe. So I, I, I think depending on how they use it, it'll be interesting to see this, but it's very interesting. It's very interesting. And I'm, I'm curious to see, plus, like, just the way that she plays Marilyn Monroe and the voice and all that. I mean, she basically nails it in the, in the trailer that I saw anyway.
2: No, it sounds good. I mean, how are you going to tell Marilyn Monroe's story if you don't tell it all? If you're not going to tell it all, it's not worth telling.
0: Right. And, and part of that story is there's, there's quite a bit of it. Right. I mean, it
2: has to be a sexualized story because that's who she was. That's, I mean, if you ask anybody, what do you know about Marilyn Monroe? She was a sex symbol. Well, boom, well, then you've got to talk about it. if if it's worth
0: having that conversation. It's kind of how I see it, but I thought that was interesting, an NC-17 movie, because you just don't really see those. Like, those, It's pretty rare. Most production companies and people that make movies, if you get an NC-17, you go back and you chop out whatever made it NC-17 because there's— You want the R. Yeah, you want the R, and NC-17, for whatever reason, people are like, Oh, my God, we can't watch that. It's so much more horrible than Rated R. I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> I mean, I get that because NC-17 is it doesn't matter if you're the legal guardian, You cannot go. You're not supposed to be able to watch it if you're under 17. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, a Rated R, you can take a four-year-old to a Rated R movie if you're the guardian, parent or guardian. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? It is, man. I mean, I've, I've been in Rated R movies where I look around, I see like an eight-year-old. I'm like, what are we doing? Well, how old were you when the first time you went to a rated R movie? Well, my mom would not let us watch rated R movies for a long-ass time. And my dad, I think, sometimes would try to sneak them. I remember Terminator was the one that he would always, like, put on. And then my mom would come in the room, and she'd be like, what is this? And my dad be like, oh, it's Terminator. She'd like, oh, they can't watch this. You know, it's funny. <laughs> and my dad's like, there's nothing in it. It's fine. <laughs> but that's when it would be like you know it'd come on hbo or something and then I, I i'm pretty sure the first rated r movie i ever saw was terminator because i don't think terminator right. 2 was rated r i think it was pg-13 i can't really remember the first
2: rated r when i saw i was sitting here trying to think about it um i don't i can't even remember bro i need now, now i'm curious i need to go back and look and and see what was popular back in the day. No, no. I'll I See what I snuck into.
0: I, I'll tell you, Terminator 2, I thought it was PG-13. It is rated R. That would be the first one I saw was Terminator 2. Which would I guarantee you that was the first rated R movie I ever saw. Terminator 2 is pretty good. Terminator 2 is badass. I still, I still contend that Terminator 2 is one of the greatest action movies of all time. That's the guy with like the aluminum body or whatever. Well, yeah, the liquid metal. Yeah, liquid metal. Yeah. I mean, that movie's. No, that
2: was, that was, that was, yeah, that was really good.
0: Really, really good. Yeah, man. I mean, that's, that's one that I can stop down on anytime. Anytime. I'm a big fan of that. So, the other thing that I had for you, speaking of the movies, and we talked about Grey Man maybe on the last podcast or I forget whenever it was after I saw it, but. They have announced, it is official, that the Russo brothers, who were the directors of The Gray Man, and Ryan Gosling, are in works for a Gray Man sequel. Well, hell yeah, man. Well, hell yeah, hell yeah. You, don't,
2: you should be more excited. Dude, I just, I was trying to, you know, I've been trying to watch it. I saw, I saw, I saw it the other day, but I saw it, then I stopped, and I saw it again. Yeah. But it was damn exciting when they when – I don't want to give away too much, but when they're up in the air in the airplane thing, that was that was wild. I mean, I've seen it before in other movies, but that was a really well-executed scene.
0: Yeah, this is fantastic. So apparently they are doing, again, based on the source material from the Gray Man books, and there's 11 Gray Man books, so they got plenty of material they can pull from. And Ryan Gosling obviously will return as Cortland Gentry, the Gray Man. The movie is the number one movie – on netflix in 92 different countries and got wow. a 91 percent score on rotten tomatoes it which sounds is like it's pretty good for yeah you would tomatoes, think so because they don't like nothing and apparently they're also going to do some sort of a spinoff and they don't say what that's going to be but they're going to do something a little more edgy and experimental and one of the russo brothers says it means that one will be a hard r i can't say any more at this point <laughs> At least they're honest about that. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what that means, and I don't know if is that like a Gray Man spinoff, as in they're having the Gray Man, as in Anna de Armas, who's not in the books, is going to have her own thing that they do with her. Are they going to bring one of the characters from the books? Because in the books, there's a Russian woman that Court kind of falls in love with. Are they going to give her her own thing? I I, I don't know. Maybe they, her name Zoya Zakharov. Maybe they explore the background on her. That'd be kind of fun, but I don't know. that'd be cool bro that would be cool so you have that look forward to that hopefully you guys can if you haven't seen the gray man yet i cannot recommend it highly enough i mean i don't know anybody who hasn't seen it and doesn't think it's it's just fantastic and yeah you know i had one guy that tweeted at me he's like i mean the opening scene they're fighting amongst fireworks they'd be deaf I was like, oh, okay, but you actually believe that these elite force ninja like warriors can do this type of stuff, and you have no problem with all the other stuff, but fighting in the fireworks where they would have lost their hearing is where you draw the line.
2: Bro, you know how it goes, man. It's always something. Just always something. It is like, always something. What are something? we
0: doing? All what right. are we doing, really? Come on, man. Chill out. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's one of those things, but. I'm a fan. I'm, I like th- the Gray Man. I very much like the Gray Man. I actually started reading, and I got to give props to whoever had mentioned this on Twitter, Orphan X, which is another one of those Gray Man-type characters. I just finished the first book in the Orphan X series. So and, it's a
2: book, not a movie?
0: Yeah, it's a book. It's a series of eight books. So I finished the first book in that. And it, it it's along the lines of Gray Man, like where he's this elite-level killer who was... You know, taken as an orphan and groomed like since he was 12 years old to be a high level covert assassin. That's the best in the world in, in the orphan program. And it's kind of badass, you know,
2: like, a, you know, for whatever reason, I never get enough of that. I can't either. And I didn't realize Raised that I like to be assassins. Yeah, I just, man. I, don't know. I just never get enough of that. It's kind of weird.
0: Yeah, and, and I didn't realize how much that I enjoyed this level, like this genre of book until I really started to read them, and I was like, holy crap, this is great. Well, have you seen Hannah on Netflix? Yeah, I've seen Hannah. That was fantastic. Right, that's what I'm saying. So I just I just
2: like the raised to be an orphan. I mean, raised to be an assassin.
0: <laughs> yeah, and apparently, like, they're working on an Orphan X movie and potentially a TV show with it as well. And originally, Bradley Cooper was going to star in it, but I saw that that had fallen through, and now they're going to do, like, some sort of a movie, Orphan X movie, but I haven't seen, like, who's attached to it or who's going to star it in or anything since Bradley Cooper is no longer with it. Right. So I don't know, because he would have been interesting. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. But it's interesting when... I like that. I like when they have movies that are on books, and you've read the book, and then you kind of know all the backstory, so you can just kind of enjoy the movie, and you know the character better than a lot of people that are watching the movie. Nothing wrong with that, my brother. Yeah, I mean... It's the benefit b- to reading. Yeah. How about that? Yes, I... I that uh, Orphan X book was my 31st book of the year. So I have... Damn. To- I have completed 31 books so far this year, and tonight I will get Orphan X book number two and start. How many
2: did you do? How many did you do last year?
0: I did 34 last year, I believe. Jeez. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, run. yeah, I'm gonna smash that. Yeah, I think I've done five this year. Yeah, <laughs> and so the Orphan X books, I'll read all eight of those this year. That'll get me over 40, and I'll read that new Nick Saban book that's coming out. So, and then after that, I mean, now it's kind of like, can I get to 50? I mean, I'm you know, I've got half the year left. How's that going to operate? I mean, I, I, I read. I probably read for an hour every single day, you know, like, like for leisure. Because Once
2: in the morning and
0: once at night. Yeah, usually I will read sometimes in the morning when I have more time. I, I mean, there's mornings not usually during the week, but sometimes because I start kind of my schedule for my day for my show, like around 845 or nine, like putting everything together. Right, You know, that gives me two full hours to put together a two-hour show. So it works well. And so, like, sometimes if I wake up too early, like I did this morning, and I have extra time, I'll just read for, instead of reading for 30 minutes, I'll read for an hour. I'll read for an hour and a half or whatever. And then at night, I always read before I fall asleep. And, I mean, honestly, that kind of just depends on, oh, I'm super tired. I bet I can knock out a chapter. And then, you know, the lady fiance comes in, and she's like, oh, you fell asleep with your iPad on your face. (laughs) I'm like, yep, well, I didn't even know. So I, I basically, some nights just read, and then I fall asleep, I didn't even realize it. So it just kind of depends in that world, you know, at night, how tired I am. True to true to So the other thing I have, and, and maybe you'll, you'll run out and get some, and I can Venmo you, but the Mega Millions, which is played in a variety of states, Texas being one of those, Alabama not being a state that has a lottery, the Mega Millions for just the third time ever, has reached a $1 billion jackpot. One billion? One billion. I guess I'm playing. It's the third highest jackpot in the 20 year history of the mega millions. And the lump sum payout on this is like $620 million if you just take the lump sum. Now after taxes, obviously that cuts down on it. But man, it's, it's one of those things, like we're doing it in the league, Rashid's going to go out, and he was like, all right, well, how many tickets should I get? And I was like, I don't know, man. Just tell us, and we'll all Venmo you, whatever. And right. it's funny, because one of the guys in our league is like, nah, I'm good. And everybody's like, well, what if we win? Won't you feel like an ass? You'll be like, oh, my God, my fantasy league won this lottery, and I don't get any of it.
2: Well, no, because he'll be on the front page of every paper in America.
0: I told him, you know what, man? I'll give you 10 grand, all right? <laughs> that man said, I'll give you 10 grand. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to think about this, because I was like, you know, because you would take the lump sum payout. So if you did yeah, 620 that. $620 million. Yeah. So, if it, you know, that's $62 million if 10 guys buy in and two guys don't. So we'd all have $62 million. And after taxes, what do you think you're clearing? About forty? Thirty yeah, $35 million?
2: Prob- yeah, Probably about thirty one. But okay. You can okay. live off of $31 million. Yeah.
0: So you, you're, you've got 31000000 million. I'm like, hey, man, here's your 10 grand. And I'll tell you immediately what I would do. I would call my brother and be like, what should I invest and what do I do with this? And then I would probably invest 20 million of it and live off the 10 million. And your investments of the 20 million, you could probably just live off the interest that that's creating.
2: Yeah. I mean, when you got that much money, you don't have to be, um, I mean, you just, you know, what do you call it? I mean, you just, you just, just give me a return. I'm not trying to, I don't need anything spectacular. I don't need anything risky. I need it all solid.
0: Yeah, because then it becomes like you're just setting up generations that are yet to come, because you're good. Right. Now it's a matter of me and my kids are good. My grandkids are probably good. But what about my great-great-great-grandkids that are, like, in 2200? You know, how does this I might last name? them?
2: I will be named Matthew. <laughs> yes, because by
0: then, they'll all have to be, oh, I understand you are Matthew, Ryan, McLaren the fifth. My God, welcome in, sir. We're so sorry that there's a speck of dirt on the ground that you had to see.
2: Well, you know, it's, it's, it'd be like... Uh, like george foreman you you all the all the kids if you want this access to this inheritance you know part of it is you've got to name your child you know matthew or ryan it's your choice
0: yeah that's probably right
2: i'm giving you a choice now i gave you two names to pick from two good quality names to pick from uh
0: you know yeah that's interesting lotteries are always fun it's almost just fun to like dream and be like oh i'd do this or maybe i'd do this you know i don't know but in, in reality, nobody actually thinks they're going to win. What's interesting, though, is when it gets up this high, this more happened. Play, the right? Well, more people play. So your odds go down. But this happened the other day because nobody hit the mega millions. But eight people had tickets that hit five of the numbers. And those eight yeah. people each won a million dollars each. I can live off of that, too, bro. Yeah, I know. I was like, OK, you don't even have to hit all six numbers. My God, I'll take a million. You kidding me? shit i'll play and what, what happens if you hit four of the numbers you win like 50 grand I, i'm in yeah I, i'm in for that too let's go man so okay now do you want random numbers or do you want to play numbers? see that's the thing is you almost feel like you gotta have the computer do it because it's unbiased and right. then I, I was thinking you also gotta probably fill out another one where you pick the numbers Cause maybe no, that,
2: that's good. Cause that covers you.
0: Yeah, then you're covered. Like you, you got to think about it. What's the energy? What am I feeling? Where's my hand going? And then and I do was you know like, what "Numbers you would pick? Well, part. See, I'd probably fill I'm, out. I'm not you.
2: saying put it out there in the universe, but you know, text
0: it to me. <laughs> okay. I won't play them, and if mean, I do, I'll, I'll split the money with you. Well, you're so kind. I appreciate that. No, I I do have numbers that I would play, but then I would, I would, so I'd fill out one that the computer did. I'd fill out one where I picked. And then a third one, I would try, I would let, you know, I'd I'd make it like a Ouija board for my dead relatives. Like, okay, do you got, what do you feel? Spirits guide my hand to the numbers. (laughs) Those of you who have seen the future, where am I? And I'd see what it landed on and I'd bubble in that number (laughs) and then you just turn it in. I liked it. Yeah. That way you're covered on every angle. But then, if you don't win, do you look at your dead relatives differently? You're like, really, guys? Like you're supposed to be in the world where you can see things that haven't happened yet. Come on. Yeah, let me see this, please. Yeah, I don't. Again, I'm not even asking for the billion. All I said was let me match four or five numbers, and get just a little bit of it, bro. Yeah, that's all. I'm not even greedy for the whole thing. I don't need it all for me. That's mean. No, I feel you with
2: that. Thank you. I'm trying to figure out what would you do with sixty million. You live off the ten. What would
0: you do with the ten? I'd buy a house, I'd, I mean, I'd definitely buy a house and I'd probably put an indoor basketball court in it and I would also put in a decent, like, workout weight room. Right. I'd have a pool, that'd be pretty cool. I would keep doing my job. Like, I enjoy being on the radio, like, I, like people are like, no way. I was like, why not? Like, I might take more vacations, but I would still show up and do this because I love doing it. Right, right, right. I mean, I'm not ready to walk away from that yet. I, I'd get a, a vehicle. I'd probably, I guess I'd be paying for a wedding. We'd probably go to Hawaii. I mean, outside of that, you know, I'd I'd get a new Fitbit, I guess. Um, You know, I might upgrade and get some nicer shorts. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, somebody was asking me this the other day. I was like, I just, there's not a lot that I want. Like, I really don't know, like, with that kind of money. More so than anything, I'd be more willing to travel and I'd be more willing to go to fancy restaurants. I get that. I get that. What you can do when
2: money's not really an an option.
0: Yeah, like I I would be a lot more willing to be like, okay, we're going to the nicest restaurants that we've always wanted to go to. And you know what? Even if we went to one yesterday, we'll go to another one tonight. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. And I would be more into like the experiencing things of that nature than I would be in like, oh, now I can upgrade my furniture or something like that. I mean, whatever. I don't care. (laughs) I'd still wear brewery t-shirts everywhere I went. (laughs) Hey, yeah, be true to you. Exactly, man. But now instead of hoping that the brewery gives them to me for free, I'm like, "Hey, you know what? I got it. Don't worry about it." Right, I'll just buy it if I want it. Thank here's a you. here's a 50. Uh, you know, what? just keep the change. I would do that a lot, too. I would be one of those benefactor people where if I got really good service, you know, I might be like, "Hey, uh, where do you live? How much is your rent?" I'm like, "Oh, okay." And I'd leave that as a tip. See, I like that. That sounds like you. Yeah, cuz I think like stuff like that would just that can be life-changing in ways that I don't think people realize. You know, you don't have to give somebody 20 grand. Like, you could literally just pay their rent one month, and that can change their outlook, their attitude, and really, it could change their life. True that. So True I think that. being able to do little things like that would be really cool.
2: No, I feel you on it.
0: I think that would be cool. I hope so, because that's what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's me you know eventually and then maybe I'd be like Marlon's man where I just wear like Texas Rangers shit and go to like all the sporting events <laughs> Now see that that's it you could get you could afford season tickets exactly you know where you wouldn't have to worry about them they're like oh my god there's Rangers man again who's this guy oh he won the lottery a few years ago now he goes to all these great sporting events and he's always wearing oh. a Rangers jersey Right, you've got great seats. You, I mean, yeah. that's kind of that's what money is for it's for stuff like that. Yeah, something like that, it'd be awesome. I'd you know, it'd be great. So as we move forward into a couple of our other conversations here, you know, you were mentioning how hot it has been in Texas, and my dad was telling me this story, and this is where HFX Foundation Solutions can come in play for you. It's been so hot and so dry in Texas because DFW Airport has not had any measurable rain in almost 60 days. June 3rd was the last time that they got measurable rain. And so going back like that, my dad was telling me the story last night about how he has had to go out and their fence in their backyard, they have a wrought iron fence. The ground has gotten so dry that it's separated from the concrete and the fence is starting to fall over. Jeez. And so he's been out there trying to directly water that and, and stabilize the fence because the ground has gotten that dry. That's just a fence, okay? So imagine how your foundation of your home is feeling right now, which is why when you notice things, anything right now, anything, cracks, sticking doors, if you realize that you may have a foundation problem with the extreme drought and heat Texas is having, you need to immediately get on the phone with HFX Foundation Solutions and have them come out for that free inspection
2: dude i mean there's nothing more important you can do right now than give aaron and his team over at hfx to call at 817-770-0174 you know because dude that there's nothing worse than texas and somebody oh, i think we got a foundation problem because that just sends shutters the only thing worse as i've said is a certified letter from the irs because the house is typically the most valuable possession you own and anything it costs to fix it like that can really uh, put a put a hole, can really put you in a bad spot. So give Aaron a call, especially with the weather like this. You know it's a possibility. So get, let him give you a peace of mind by giving your house what we like to
0: affectionately call a colonoscopy. Yes, make it happen, man. It's 817 770 0174. Especially right now, keep an eye on this for real. And when you see those signs, call them, have them come out. Again, a free, no obligation inspection online hfxfoundation.com also of course you might be getting hungry and you might think god i want that jam session bowl all right we'll go to smoky john's barbecue order it right up you won't see it on the menu it's on the secret menu only for our listeners all you guys listening to the jam session podcast and maybe i know a lot of you jump in for cowboy season you like hearing our cowboys thoughts you like smoky john's barbecue i haven't heard of that before it's in dallas right off of mockingbird you can walk right in and because you're a listener of the podcast you can order the jam session bowl that other people don't even know exists it's a great move to make what could be better than that mac and
2: cheese or mashed potato base ah your choice of five smoked meats and then <laughs> i'm telling you man once it gets drizzled with that special uh, smoky john sauce a little chive, some other stuff uh ah, dude it's delicious Bro, I keep telling you, I haven't had one in a minute. It seems like it's about that time. Um, nah, it's gluttonous, but it's oh so good, and so I can only have one every few months. Mm. But it's about that time, brother. Yes, it, it is. Really, really is. It is about that time.
0: It is. Oh, it is. I've I've been go get it. about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the sounds you might make when you're at Smoky John's Barbecue. So check them out right there in Dallas, off Mockingbird. It's family-owned and operated, man. The brothers, Brent and Juan, that own it, they're good dudes. Go out support them at Smokey John's Barbecue. So these Texas Rangers, I got to tell you, this is one of those things. I was kind of telling you this story before we started recording. You look at where the Texas Rangers are, and they're in a weird position because they've really kind of fallen off a little bit. It's obvious that they're not going to be a 500 baseball team this year. They are nine games under 500 at this point. They struggled going into the All-Star break. As you guys probably remember, they were swept by Seattle and lost four straight going into the All-Star break. Well, since the All-Star break, they are 2-5. and So you put that together, they are 2-9 and in their last 11 games. Now, as you approach the trade deadline here in a couple of days, that is not a team, quite frankly, that needs to really try and acquire anybody for this season. Right. But what about the future if you had an opportunity to bring in somebody – That could be a part of the core that you are trying to build. Juan Soto. yeah. Well, see, and this is what's wild about this. So Juan Soto, who is one of the bright young stars in Major League Baseball, he's 23 years old and already people calling him a future Hall of Famer. He's one of those dudes, even though he's only 23 years old, he's already in his fifth season in Major League Baseball. This is a guy that falls out of bed and hits a minimum of 20 home runs and drives in 90 plus runs every year. This is a dude who has a career batting average of 291 and an, an OPS of 964. Apparently, and this is what blew my mind. John Heyman, who used to write for sports illustrated. I think he works for the New York post. Now he right. put out his favorites to land Juan Soto in a potential trade. Cause the nationals suck and Soto declined that long contract and, So there's some thought that they may trade him, even though he's still got, I think it's two or three years left of team control. John Heyman put the Rangers as the front runners to land Juan Soto. Buster Olney has the Rangers as the second favorite behind the Padres. And I
2: assume that they're basing all of this on that farm system that they spent the last two years building up uh, now that Chris Young is here, uh, teaming up with JD Mm -hmm. and the draft picks that they've acquired, I mean, that they've used. Uh, but dude, it seems to me that to acquire Juan Soto, you basically have to give up most of those good young draft picks that you think you can build around to get him. which seems to me like, yeah, it like hustling backward as my man, Bomani Jones would say.
0: Yeah. And that's where I think that this is interesting because you're exactly right. I mean, this would be something that would cost the Rangers. Jack Leiter would be a part of the deal. Josh Young would be a part of the deal. You'd probably have to throw in somebody else, maybe even like an Owen White. You may have to be looking at a Brock Porter or or a Kamar Rocker. Well, no, you can't trade those guys because technically, yeah, since they were drafted, you have to get past the World Series to trade those two. But again, Owen White, Jack Leiter, Josh Young. I mean, that's what we're talking about. And probably Ezekiel Durant. Like those level of prospects packaged together for Juan Soto, who's one of the best players in the game, who's only 23 years old, who you would have for the next decade through his prime. But again, and you brought up a really great point when we were having this conversation before we started recording today. It reminds you of when the Rangers didn't have what they needed when they money whipped one of the game's best young players in Alex Rodriguez to come to Texas.
2: Right, and what did A-Rod do in Texas? He averaged 52 homers, 132 ribbies Um, I can't remember what he batted batted 305 I mean can you really do any better than that bro and what do we know about that team those teams 2001 2002 2003 they all sucked they all sucked (laughs) and so it doesn't matter you're better off I mean Juan Soto is a great talent and if you were in a different position adding Juan Soto would make sense it doesn't make sense now because you're not in position for him to turn your team around. Juan Soto, bro, I don't care what he bats. Let's have him, let's have, him have an A-Rod year. 47 homers, 127 ribbies, uh bats 315 with an OPS of 995. You know, it doesn't matter. You know why? Because their bullpen stinks. They have no closer. They're still going to lose 90 games, 100 games you got to wait till you're ready to add a guy like this. The name is great. Yes, you get some buzz, but ultimately, dog, you want to win, and him alone is not going to help you win, and then you rob your system of guys who could help you win because four quality players would be better than Juan Soto.
0: Yeah, and see, that, the, the counter argument to that is the fact that the Rangers, who now have a top-10 farm system in baseball, and that was before they drafted Rocker and Brock Porter, they've got one of the best farm systems in, in, in the game. Is it worth it? Because you don't have to get rid of all your arms. Like, like you're not getting rid of Lighter, Rocker, Porter, and Cole Wynn. You might have to get rid of two of them, and then you might have to get rid of like Duran, who you thought was going to be one of your middle infielders of the future. And when he got a shot to come up, whenever that was a month ago, he looked pretty damn good. You might also have to throw in Leodi Taveras or somebody like that. But it's there's a counter argument that they have enough in the farm system now. With the fact that Seeger and Simeon are going to be your second baseman and shortstop for the next few years, if you didn't have to give up Josh Young and he was going to be here, would you be able to move some people, still have two of those four top pitchers in, in your organization, but now you also have Juan Soto, who's a flat out beast? That makes sense, bro, and I can rock with it, but
2: do you want three guys on your team making a billion dollars? <laughs> yeah are you going to be able to add guys later because we know this organization bro oh we wish we could but we've got so much in seager simeon and soto we can't really do anything else so we're gonna have to let uh so-and-so go test free agency i mean so that's what i'm saying do you want three guys locked up with that kind of money i don't think so because it seems like it would it would affect your credit your uh your ability to add guys later or sign guys later
0: yeah and it's it's tough, man, because it feels like you'd be giving the Nationals like a ridiculous amount, but again, they're prospects that we never know how prospects are going. We all think Jack Leiter is the real deal. I mean, I mean, honestly, it feels like for the first time ever in the history of the Rangers that we may have a homegrown legitimate ace. And I mean like Kevin Brown, but he stays with the Rangers. Like, like he didn't go right. somewhere else and dominate. Like a legit Ranger-grown drafted guy. But we don't right. know. We don't know is Kumar Rocker. Wow, to steal at three, is it Brock Porter? I, I mean, he's a high school kid coming out. You know, like like how do we feel? Because we don't know. And with Juan Soto, you've got five seasons of major league baseball experience. You know what that dude is.
2: See, I think the question is not uh, not necessarily what do you know. It's just that you have to let something play out. Like. You went into this process going, we're going to build a team this way. I mean, it's clear that, I mean, what, I mean they took an amazing number of arms in the draft at, at, you know, with their first few selections. It's clear that they're trying to build it a certain way. Yeah. Well, you have to let it play out um, if you're going to build it that way because, okay, we, I, can't remember, I can't remember if it's me and you who talked about this or me and one of my other boys. The Angels got Mike Trout and Shohei Ohtani, dog, and they ain't no good. Yeah. And they haven't been any good. <coughs> so one player, as good as he is, you put Barry Bonds in his prime on his team, dog, they ain't got no bullpen. They ain't have enough pitchers. They got two starters and a bunch of guys named Joe. It ain't good enough. You're trying to build a team. And when your te- as your team gets better and you say, man, we got a hole right here. Or, or how about this, Matt? We're ready to win now now you can say okay let's go for it because when the rangers had a team that was ready to win they went for it almost every year bro and i had no i had no regrets they went to two world series gave us a bunch of memories came up just a little bit short but it was a hell of a ride and a hell of a run and when because they were ready to win they're not ready to win now so juan soto is not going to help them become winners and champions at this
0: particular time Maybe two years from now, but he won't be available then. So you just got to miss out, man. Yeah, and again, there's no guarantee the Nationals, it sounds like they're not trading him unless they're just blown away. And to your point, you know, he's got 2023 and 2024 before he's a free agent. You almost wonder what would happen when he's a free agent. How would that work out if he stays in Washington? Would the price lower if you come back around again next year? Because then he would only have a season and a half of control or even in 2024 if they're unable to move him at some point. But I tend to be like you to where it feels like the Rangers for the first time in a long ass time have a lot of really good youth in their system that's ready. I would like to see that develop. And then like you're talking about, you can go out and say, okay, now we're ready for Cliff Lee. What can, right. what can we put to go out and get Cliff Lee? Because that's the dude that would put us over the top to make a World Series run. Dude,
2: that to me is the smart way to go. You're not ready to win and don't lie um, to yourself right now that you are because you're not. Um, so just wait. You have to be patient. You have a plan in place. Follow the plan. At some point, it may be time to deviate a little bit. Now is not the time because you young guys. We don't know who they are yet and they're not ready yet. And that's why we don't know who they are yet. Uh, we think Young will be good. We think Lighter will be good, and Rocker, and all these other guys. But we don't know yet. Um, that's why they've been talking about 2023 and 2024, dude. You just got to you got to follow the plan. You put it together. Now you got to trust it. It's like the draft board. Why yeah. you spend all these years, yeah. all this money, all this energy doing this, and then you go, hey, we're gonna take a flyer on Taylor in the
0: first round. What the hell, bro? Yeah, I'm part of my thing with this as well is say you've got 10 prospects and you love all of them, not all 10 turn out. But if you've got no. all 10, then you can be, oh, kick ass. These six turned out. Now they're vital parts of what we're building and these four over here are trash. And my fear with the Rangers always is you end up trading Jack Leiter and a couple of those other other names that we're talking about and those are the four that end up turning out and Jack Leiter is a dominant Clayton Kershaw ace for another franchise where Juan Soto is a nice piece and Seeger and Simeon have been great, and you're sitting there going, man, we're just an ace pitcher away from right. being something. Because it always feels like in Texas, you can get a bat. Like, you can buy a bat, bro. you can find a bat, but it feels like you, they've always struggled finding those arms, and now they finally have a couple in their system that you believe in. I, I'd rather keep the prospects and see who turns out and roll with those guys. That's exactly
2: what I'm talking about, bro. Yeah. That's exactly why, like... You can always
0: find a bet. Bats
2: are somewhat easy to find. Quality pitching is not. If you've stacked it, why don't once you get a chance to enjoy it <laughs> or at least see if it comes through fruition? Why don't you roll out that rotation that's homegrown That people go, oh, my God, yeah. they suffered a lot to get that. Woo-hoo! Now that they've got it, it's off and
0: running. Yeah, so we'll see how it turns out. Nobody knows for sure if Juan Soto will get traded because it's so bizarre that a dude of that level, that a team would trade a guy like that. But, again, he turned down the big money, and so if you don't want this, they're basically saying, okay, cool, well, peace out. The other thing in the world of baseball, and this is almost like another cautionary tale, because, you know, we were talking about that. This is one of those things, Juan Soto's going to get one of those 10, 12, 15-year contracts that cost $500 million, whatever it is. right. Well, you look at this, and I've ne- I never—I don't know why baseball started giving out these contracts. Bro. But you look at, like, the one that Mike Trout signed a couple of years ago that finally kicked in. Mike Trout signed a 12-year, $426.5 million contract with the Angels, and then they find out right when that basically that contract kicks in <laughs> that he's got, like, this— horrible back problem and that he's never going to really be free of it bro i mean they they must just be sick uh because
2: it was you know he's been examined and i was telling matt this by dr robert watkins who's a guy who used to do all of um charles haley's back work i mean he's like a renowned back specialist and so when that guy's looking at you it ain't really never any good anyway and he's got this rare back condition that puts pressure on his ribs and nerves and stuff and they're like oh well he's just gonna have to manage it the rest of his career bro that means two things really it means you're not going to get the mike trout that you signed for all that money because his back won't let him be great and two he's only a year into it man
0: yeah I mean, that's the thing. And, but again, but this is, they all sign these crazy contracts. And at some point, maybe down the road, if Trout continued to do what he was doing, maybe 37 million a year, you're like, okay, that makes sense. But then you get to a guy that also signed another monster contract. And I see the terms on these. I'm like, you know, $24 million a year seems like a bargain for Fernando Tatis Jr. But it's still a 14 year contract. Bro. And so that's the thing. Like when you look at this, you're probably getting a bargain right now, to be fair, because how much should he be making? 30, 35, and he's getting 24 a year, basically. But then you look at this and you go, he's under contract through the time that he's 35 years old. And is he going to age or are those last three or four years of that contract going to be like, well, good thing we got a bargain early on because, man, this is an albatross for us right now.
2: It seems like it's incredibly hard for those things to end up being bargains all the way through. I mean, they just don't age well because you get guys later in their career where they've lost some bat speed and some yeah. other things. You know, or they deal with, you know, I mean, this is not, this injury is not anybody's fault. It's just what it is. and But you got to deal with it. And it's just like, wow, bro. I don't know how you're going to survive it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and you know these contracts are kind of like the contracts that we talk about that, that quite frankly just screwed up everything. Because now, like Mookie Betts just got one. Mookie Betts, the center fielder for the Do- – or right fielder, I think, for the Dodgers. You look at him, he's 29 years old. He's got a 12-year contract. He is under contract until he – through his age 39 season.
2: Right, and you know damn well. It's the odds of him being good from 37 on are slim and none. I mean, maybe he's serviceable, but good.
0: That's going to be tough. But that's the problem is that you get these weird-ass long contracts. One person gets one, and the next thing you know, everybody's got to get one. Like Corey Seager, he signed a 10-year deal with the Rangers. You know, and now that's the minimum. Now, when you are that level of player, when you are the Juan Sotos of the world, the Francisco Lindores of the world, you walk out and you say, okay, well, if you want me, those guys are getting it. We're starting at 10 years. <laughs> and that, that's always seemed weird to me, man. I mean, that, that's, that just seems like a really long-ass time to sign somebody. And, and now, you well, know, see, Bryce Harper got bro, one. Is, Machado got one. I mean. It's not just,
2: you know, the other thing you have to do is when you give somebody that much money, you hope, but you don't know, bro. Will they continue to grind will they continue to have the work ethic will they continue to do all the things that made them great because and maybe they'll do it for another three or four or five years but the year but the deal is 10 years and we've got all that money you know part of the reason why you yes you most players have a desire to be great or as great as they can be but at a certain point man you're like i'm good do i want to do i want to prepare to be great like i did when i was young when i've got all this money Guaranteed. Yeah,
0: and you know you can blame the Rangers for some degree. It was a ten-year deal they gave Alex Rodriguez when they brought him to Texas, and then how'd that turn out? Halfway through it, you're like, "Well, this isn't what we needed to be," so now we got to move this dude, bro. That's uh, it's just it's so crazy to me in any sport that you want to commit to any athlete, especially with guaranteed money for that length nah I'm with
2: you bro I mean it's just it's too risky but again once one guy gets it yep the agent goes hey Matt McLaren's every bit as good as Taylor look at the stats side by side how you gonna tell me he's not worth that 10-year deal bro yeah I mean, help, dog. It, it, I mean why did Kyler Murray get 230 million yeah because Deshaun Watson got it and now it's I mean that's literally what I got why will Lamar Jackson get 247 million or two hundred and thirty-one million. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, whatever it is because Cal Murray got and go. Cal Murray ain't got no MVP. Cal yeah. Murray ain't won no playoff game. So the negotiating starts, my friend. At uh, I don't know two hundred thirty-one million. Let's go. Yeah, and
0: and, and, and all and the, the Ravens. Come, what can you say? Nothing. You pay it or you go fishing again, hoping you can find a guy. Right. I mean that, that is the reality of these big time when you are that guy. You tell the team, hey, this is what it costs, because if not, somebody will pay this. Somebody always does. Somebody's going to pay me. It can be you, and I'll stay, or it can be somebody else, and and you can try to find me again. Right, right, right. I mean, it's that way in every single sport, which is why when teams get these guys, like the Juan Sotos of the world, and you have an opportunity, you sit there and you go, my God, like we have to blow the doors off anything we'd ever thought we'd give. Otherwise, this dude's going to walk away. I mean, I'm sure when, yeah. when Soto turned down that contract, the Nationals had to be like, oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Juan Soto turned that down.
2: Now, you know, I'm, I'm also the notion, like, I don't, I don't want a $15 million deal. I mean, a 15-year deal, bro.
0: I wouldn't either. I mean, I guess,
2: I guess you want the guarantee because it guarantees you this. But if I'm Juan Soto, I'm like, dude, let me get four years, five max. And then come back and hit that thing again. Let me see where the market goes. I don't want to be locked
0: in. Yeah, because you look at, I mean, he turned down a 15-year, $440 million contract. And I'm exactly like you. I mean, granted, okay, maybe you have catastrophic injury. Or you can do the Dak Prescott where you bet on yourself. Give me four years. I'll hit the market again when I'm 27. Then you can lock me up. Bro. You know, but he's 23 years old, man. Now, to be hey, fair, see, he's technically not a free agent, and he's still got two more years, so it would have been added to all that. But still, I would have been like, man. Right.
2: So I'm going to be free at 26, and I want to be free again at 31.
0: And then some dumbass team will, will come running in and lock me down with, like, the Hulse the Angels contract. Right. Exactly. I mean, I, I, you know, to be rich, I guess. I mean, when you're billion, billion, billionaire, you can just throw money around. Of course, yeah, in baseball, it's a good life, brother, life, you know, even in baseball, there's a luxury tax. It's not like you can just spend everything you you want. I mean, even then you still got to pay up against the luxury tax at some point. But these contracts, man, and, and all these sports at times they just get so out of control where you look at them and like, what are we doing? That's like the one thing I wish in my life I should have stuck with baseball and just been a middle reliever. And I'd make right. I'd make 8 million a year giving up 5 runs a game. And you know the other thing, bro? They wouldn't pay it if they couldn't afford it. Well, that's true as well. I mean, that's you know, part of it. Owners
2: ain't paying that. Aren't paying people $37, $37 million a year unless what? They're making three or $400 million
0: a year. Yep, because they want to stay richer than that. Hell yeah. That's the cycle of how it works. We've just revealed it to you in case you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is the podcast here for today. Hope you guys enjoy this. Have a great weekend. The final weekend of July, believe it or not. The next Roof. time you hear from us, it'll be August, and it'll be college wow. football. That'll be college football month. It'll be the beginning of the NFL preseason. We've made it. Mm. It's wild to think, man. It goes by fast. Hell yeah. All right. Well, enjoy your weekend, everyone, and we'll talk to you again coming up on Monday here on Jam Session. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas.